0: The Muslimah Thoughts Podcast. Striving for Jannah. Striving for Jannah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sisters. Welcome to the second episode of our podcast, Muslimah Thoughts, run by NW Sisters. Um, today's episode, we are going to be discussing the topic of hijab and Modesty. So in this, t- in this episode, we're going to discuss what it is, what it means to us, um, any struggles we've had, our hijab or niqab stories and journeys, should I say, um, and any struggles we face as, as Muslim women in the West. So just so that I mean, we know that there are you know, hundreds and thousands of sisters who struggle with hijab on a daily basis, and perhaps um, hearing us and just us sharing, you can relate to it or perhaps maybe learn from some of our journeys, et cetera. Before we start our episode, obviously we're going to mention our sponsors. So our first sponsor is um, Darul Fakama, who sponsor our, this podcast. They are, if you have heard our last episode, they are a, a buyer company based in Dubai. Um, they're an online business and they have a, like an actual store in Dubai. You can check them out on Instagram, Darul Fakama. The two sisters, they sell beautiful hijabs, abayas, um, dresses, very, very modest dresses. Um, And very, very reasonably priced. So inshallah, check them out on Instagram. And our second sponsor is a sister um, who runs a company called um, Atamar Truffles. And she is, and this company is also the founder of the original date truffles. So they're basically really delicious chocolate truffles that have dates inside them and all sorts of different um, great ingredients. So the dates are farmed by Palestinians and the chocolate that is used is 70% peruvian chocolate. And it's ethically farmed. It's gluten free. They use oat flour and organic, organic honey. Sorry, no artificial flavorings or sweetenings, etc. It's all very, very natural, very delicious. So um, please do check them out on Instagram. But bearing in mind, you need to order them ASAP because um, they are sponsoring this episode. But it is up until Ram- before Ramadan starts. So order your truffles ASAP. So our first um, topic, like I said, is going to be what is hijab? So Sister Lima, can you just give us a quick summary of what is hijab in Islam? as wa rahmatullahi
1: wa barakatuh, inshaAllah. Yeah, so hijab in Islam is, you know, hijab means barrier. So it's a barrier between, you know, you and, you know, you know you in the world it can be a barrier between um, like I can be behind a curtain and that's my hijab like that's my barrier between me and someone else you know so if I was talking to a friend behind a curtain that's my that's my barrier for that moment A door, another example of it just being a barrier and just saying that I just want to like bring out that it being a barrier means that it's so much more than just being a scarf on our heads and inshallah between me and the rest of you know, the NW sisters today will kind of discuss that, you know, that it is more than that. And the way that we carry ourselves and the way that we are and who we are as muslimas that's another source of hijab and modesty. And um, before we get on to the rest of the episode, inshallah, there's a hadith that is narrated or reported by Aisha And she said that I did not see any woman better than those of Al Ansar in their confirmation of the quran and the faith and in the revelation as soon as like the chapter of surah An-Nur, um, was revealed containing the words and they draw their head covering over their neck and they were informed of it by like the men and the people around them every one of them without exception took her robe or her shawl and wound it around her head in conformity with what was revealed in the quran and then they came the next mo- morning behind the messenger wasallam, with those wound robes on their heads as if a crow was sitting on their heads so that's the hadith you know given by her inshallah and it just shows that you know the importance of it that like the fact that when they heard it as soon as they heard it they mm. literally rushed to like get their clothing and like wrap themselves like that was like the kind of importance of it then inshallah
0: yeah that was to be summarized Allahumma barik. And exactly, I think the last point is very important that they heard and they obeyed straight away um, when it was, you know, revealed what the hijab is. So um, that was just a very quick summary of what hijab is. Um, but on this episode, we're going to more focus on um, our journeys with hijab as a young Muslim woman living in the West um, and any particular struggles that we might have faced. Um, whilst living in the West. So, um, Khola, would you like to tell us about how you began wearing the hijab and um, Hola actually wears the We have two sisters here who wear the um, So do you want to like maybe tell us how you started wearing hijab and niqab?
2: Yeah, of course, um, for me, I would say alhamdulillah being brought up in a practicing family it was something that was introduced to me like at a young age anyway I I didn't struggle with it um in the way that I do see a lot of sisters struggling with it because I had it on when I was younger I didn't have to like adopt it later on in life alhamdulillah and that's something that I'm going to always be thankful for um because I I never really understood the struggles that sisters do have now and I never really like went through them and like that's something that i will always be thankful for alhamdulillah honestly um for me i started wearing it at a very young age so i was around in reception when i started wearing it how old are we in reception how does that i like? think last-
1: that's seven seven no, right five you're five, years five, five? five. <laughs> five. not seven, seven
2: definitely not seven i think yeah five years old yeah i think i was five, five years old um when i started wearing it alhamdulillah um and i was just telling the girls um a funny little story um probably like the, my first experience of like the fitna of um you know the society when someone was hijab and basically what it was is that when I was younger um in reception all the kids all the kids like I guess liked my hair and they wanted me to be their like little fairy leader <laughs> so they would bring me in like plastic wands, and I would like lead their little fairy party so for me I was like torn between <laughs> shall I keep my hijab on or shall I take it off so I can be like a little fairy do you get me so um, that was like my first ever experience with like the fitna of like even though it's, it sounds so stupid obviously it sounds like a young child's like problems but for me at the time I was I actually do remember being very torn I was like shall I take it off shall I keep it on I, I just didn't know obviously and at that age you don't know what's good for you Um, so I did like, I I played with taking it off and putting it back on and all of that but Alhamdulillah, Allah guided me by the time I reached year one (laughs) in that one year gap and (laughs) ever since, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. ever since I was in year one my hijab has been on properly, Alhamdulillah and I can't complain it just honestly sounds so comical but that's that's literally it, that's how um, I started wearing hijab it went smooth sailing from there Um, you went from fairy to hijabi yeah from fairy to hijabi basically it went smooth sailing um handle my secondary school that i went to actually let us wear like long skirts and stuff i know in a lot of secondary schools in london um they only let them either wear trousers or short skirts i can never imagine that honestly but um my school was really multicultural they let us wear like long um and stuff like that so i was fine um even up until sixth form oh sorry even up until sixth form i was able to wear my abaya, wear my hijab, all of that. And in the second year of sixth form, I decided to wear jilbab, obviously. Um, to be honest, I was a bit scared, um, even though I'd never faced like that type of like negative reaction from people around me. I still was a bit apprehensive. Should I wear the jilbab or not? Will I? Will it make me like look that much different and all of that? Um, and alhamdulillah, I just did it. I didn't ask because I thought if I ask, they can reject me. If I just do it, they can't really say anything because then that's just wrong. Um, so I wore my and Alhamdulillah, it was smooth. No one said anything. All of that was fine. Um, and actually, my niqab story only started very recently. Um, I only started wearing my niqab like, at the start of like when COVID happened. Um, I'd been like messing with the idea for a while. I was speaking to Zay. I was like, should I wear the niqab? Um, I was speaking to my friends. I was asking, like, should I wear it? Should I not? And at the start, and validly, like, it's a valid, like, reason why my parents were a little bit against it. But obviously, they're saying, like, you're going to go to university, inshallah. Um, you know, people might not have such a great reaction towards it and all of that. But alhamdulillah, Allah softened their hearts and they just let me, you know, wear my niqab. And I can't thank Lima enough. She, I was wearing some, like, random niqab that I just had and it was, just, like, all ripped up and everything. Alhamdulillah, Lima just came through with the naqas and they're just some gorgeous naqas mashallah and I've just been wearing them ever since and alhamdulillah it's been smooth I do like get one two stairs even when I was wearing my jilbab I remember we went to like visit a university and the security guard like stopped me and just said like where are you going And we were visiting the library and um I was like I'm just going in there and then he turned to my other friends who we were also wearing hijab but just not a jilbab right just like a regular scarf and abaya and he said is she with you and then he was they were like yeah and then only then did he let me in so i don't know if they thought I was some national threat or something <laughs> it was just me and majalbab you know but the struggles are there yeah. for for me alhamdulillah because i've been with it for a long time i can't say i've struggled that much but again i'm very fortunate and i know it's not the case for a lot of other people so i guess yeah. that was long but it kind of just sums up like my journey from when i was a young girl to like where i am now with my hijab at the moment
0: yeah I think it's quite interesting that part where you mentioned when you were in reception and how, because like all the kids, like you said, you were a fairy and they really liked your hair, et cetera. That quite, that is very similar to a lot of sisters now who are like grown adults or teenagers who obviously think they look pretty about it, which obviously we do because our beauty is covered when we cover our hair and our body. and I think that is a very common struggle for sisters when um, they think, I don't look nice enough or they compare themselves to their friends and they look, their cousins and their family or people make comments about, not even just strangers. I mean, like you said, strangers, yeah, they'll stay on the street, but I think it hurts more when it's your own family making comments or not letting you do it, et cetera. Um, okay. Do you know anyone who, um, um, whole lot, who like like you said, um, you started wearing well recently, was there anyone who felt was um, supporting you and you looked up to or you don't feel as alone maybe?
2: Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um my mum wears the niqab. So obviously big inspiration. Like she was there from the start and that's the person that I always saw wearing it. So of course like as a daughter you want to be just like your mum. So obviously that's that was a big reason. But also don't estimate don't underestimate the the power of your like outside influences even social media like of course mm-hmm. your friends can influence you your family can influence you but you're on social media a lot of the time that's definitely going to influence you as well and obviously when i was a bit younger i wasn't really like following girls in niqab or in proper hijab or whatever it was just like you know the usual stuff that a child does on social media right and alhamdulillah i'm not on instagram anymore um allah's distanced me from that but when i was on it I was trying to make a conscious effort to unfollow like things that weren't going to benefit me and only follow sisters that maybe were practicing their jilbab and the hijab and their niqab properly and I can't tell you how much of an impact that had Mm. just seeing them so beautiful and confident in their hijab and their jilbab really like does inspire you and I was thinking like mashallah if I was going to be any form of practicing Muslim woman like that's that's the epitome of all of it right. And that's what really yeah. like gave me the extra push to like put on the niqab and just like go for it. Because before I was overthinking it a lot and thinking, oh, will it get in the way of this? Will it get in the way of that? When I do get a job and inshallah, if I do end up working in in, in the NHS, the uniform is going to be so different from what hijab is. But I just thought, instead of me overthinking it and thinking that far into the future and just like making myself stressed out about that, I'm going to do what feels right. And... That's literally what I did. And alhamdulillah, it's worked out thus far. Um, and I, I see it continue, continuing to work out. But if that doesn't tell you about the power of social media, then I don't know what will. Like it is, it's it does influence you. They're not called like social media influencers for no reason. So it will influence you. And if you follow people that are going to influence you in a good way, then that's what you're going to see. And if you follow people that aren't so good, then that's the, that's the effect that it's going to have on you. So it is really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the whole social media topic is, it's a very, very good point and very, you know, um, contemporary because as time's gone on, social media is a platform that children as young as seven years old are on. They're desensitized to many different types of materials and the influences don't really, I don't think, I think a lot of them, like from the videos I've seen, I don't think a lot of them even realize the impact they have. Like for them, it's their job or their Career or a mm-hmm. hobby that they do. I don't think a lot of the perhaps the hijabi influencers realize just the impact that they have. Even if they're not, if even if they don't come on to say that this is why I'm here or as a role model, in essence, that's what you're doing. Because without you knowing or realizing or wanting, young people are watching your video I think it's a very important point. Um, Sister Lima, you also wear um niqab. What um like what's your journey with hijab and niqab and what inspired you? Um, as well
1: um, you know with me I've been wearing firstly like your bar for quite a while now and then the hijab as well from like beginning and you're when you're younger and you have those little what they call the little one pieces you know that we all wear when we first start and then you know wearing the naqab yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know those things still make me laugh totally, I don't know why I just yeah I call them little sock hijabs but still the one piece yeah these little one pieces that we all wear when
0: we're kids and they have those like,
1: like the pull
3: ones <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hated them I felt like they made us look them. like eggs because they yeah. were just like a of fabric that just my head and yeah. it's just so unattractive oh my god yeah my teeth <laughs> would just
1: pop out of them they were just yeah you know um I think yeah so I've been wearing it for quite a while and I'm not if I'm gonna be completely honest like I, w- I would say like I wish I had like such a thing of just wearing it and not having those struggles and it's not you know you have like the struggles within yourself like we all have struggles within ourselves when we're wearing like sometimes we question you know am I wearing it right am I wearing it wrong do I want to keep like we all the shaitan is always in our heads it's always like we're always battling between what if we're doing anything right and you know we have our own inner struggles right whereas you know but then there's obviously the outside struggles as well like there's the people around you there's you know the different stories you'll have with it do you get it like that come with it wherever it'd be you know funny whether it'd be scary whether it'd be you know bad you know good you know you get those things and you know I've had a lot of those in the years and um, so when I first started wearing the hijab I was around seven eight years old and um, if we say hijab is in hijab is in what people kind of see it as rather than the barrier so like just those you know when we go through those different stages I want to make that clear as well because um I was seven eight years old so I was so um that you know the the headscarf the hijab what I used to wear those one pieces I started around seven eight years old and you know my mom actually used to tell me I don't want you to wear it unless you're gonna like properly wear it because I used to cry because I used to see my mom wear it and my mom was obviously going for her like stages of hijab as well like before in the club, because you know um (laughs) Allahumabai, <laughs> even though I came from like a practicing family, my mom was you know, a weaver. So, you know, she came into Islam. So we've always seen her from you know young wearing a hijab, but it was never what we know now to be hijab. So she went through her stage. Th- so but we loved it whenever my mom wore it, you know, she was covering, you know, the places that were meant to be covered, the neck, the ears, and you know, the hair. Um, and you know, we I I wanted to wear it. And I used to always cry, can I wear the hijab? can i wear the hijab And mom's like okay you can, oh, you can wear it but make sure that you don't keep taking it on and off because at the end of the day you know even if there's other going to be other kids in your school and stuff um and you know you're going to go in and not many people your age really wear it so you're making an example for them so she was so she was really sure on that but i kept obviously i was a seven eight year old and i wanted when i wanted something i wanted it so i was a bit stubborn i was like i'm gonna wear it so i put it on i started wearing it around then, and um, I w- had a really hard time with bullying when I was at primary school. So a lot of kids would ask me like mm. stuff like you know, oh do you, do you not have any hair? Is that why you wear that? Or you know, are you forced to wear it? And you know, I was the only kid in my whole in my whole year, and there was a few girls in year six who wore it, but like they never really. But like they were like those, um, what you would call it girls in those times and stuff. You know, kind of running the school mm. year sixes. Um, and yeah, they didn't really, like, they, they weren't really big on, like, you know, the hijab, so I was like that one girl in my whole school, so it was kind of strange for all the kids around me, so I did, I went through a lot of, a lot of bullying, and, you know, I've had really bad experiences at school, hence I got homeschooled a little um, after primary school, so for me, for me, hijab at a young age was hard um, in my time, and, you know, there was that whole thing of, you know, just kids not understanding ignorance and parents as well. And parents complaining like their kids are seeing someone with a hijab. And I think the whole 9-11 thing was like around at the age of so kids were like, had that really on their mind. Like kids are always talking about it without any knowledge but they just heard it from their parents or whatever. So they were always like going back to their parents and parents would complain, oh, are you allowed to have kids with a headscarf?" on and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, stuff for me was was really hard when I was younger. And then the real when it started was like, you know, when I became uh, when I started getting homeschooled, you know, it was my I learned what the beauty of hijab was like, what the real thing like I started getting deflated from being bullying and wearing hijab. Like for me, like it was like, do I really want to wear it? But I never truly understood it. Do you get it? Like I was the hijab was the only thing I had was that influence from my mom and you know, were talking about Instagram and social media, everyone's an influencer, like, we look up to anyone now, role model, so my mum was my role model, and I wanted to wear it, because, you know, I liked how it looked on her, I liked my mum wearing it, you know, all of that, whereas I never really true the in-depth pieces, whereas when I started getting homeschooled, and I was always around my family on and they started teaching me more about my deen, my religion, and my mom got me this book, and it was called the Correct me if I'm saying this word wrong. I think it's treat treaties or treaties on hijab, and I never know to say that word. Um, but yeah, that's what the book was called, and for me that was really nice. Like it, it just explained what hijab was being a barrier. You know, the way you wear it is jilbeb All these, all these different things. You know, when the women started wearing it, you know how the wives of the Prophet Muhammad sallam you know, had to wear the niqab, and it was such an insightful book and i went back to my parents and was relaying everything that i read and you know um and i was like really like in awe like of reading that book um on Hebrew. and me reading that was for myself like it wasn't me you know getting a lecture from my mom it wasn't me getting a lecture from my dad it wasn't anyone else telling me you know this is how you are it was me reading a book with you know actual narrations from the quran and sunnah and hadith and me you know really building that connection and then going back to my parents saying you know this is what i want to do so then I was like around 15 years old and I was like, you know what, there's, I'm always saying to, I was always saying to my mom, you know what, when I'm 16, I want to wear the naqab, you know, and um, I'm going to start wearing the jobab. But you know, and then my sister, my younger sister, she was like alima lima, you can, um, you could die tomorrow, like you could, you could like not wake up, you're 15 and there's people that die at young ages all the time so, you know, you might not wake up, you know, so why wait till you're 16, and that's, that's so true, like, let me just start now, I'm not, I'm not going to school, you know, if I was at school, at the end of the day, um, if at the end of the day, if, if I was at school, it might have been harder for me, so I was like, let me take this opportunity, you know, to start wearing it, and then alhamdulillah, you know, I thought, I put the jilbab on, the carbon on at the same time, and, you know, that's, that's my story from there, <laughs> and it, there's been struggles along the way, um, but, you know, alhamdulillah still till say, you know, five years later, and
0: it's all good. Alhamdulillah. Allah mbari. That's amazing. That's a very young age. Did you say what? 14, 15, you put the um on? one. Yeah. That is I think that's the youngest I've ever heard of, I'm not gonna lie.
2: Um mm.
0: that's the youngest age I've ever heard of of Allah Mubbard. That's amazing. Um, and I think the point you mentioned about um you reading that book and you understanding what hijab is, I think that is so fundamental. In practically everything about our deen, the seeking knowledge part and understanding why those rules are in place, what kind of rules are in place and how it benefits us. And I think that's where a lot of parents, in my humble opinion, go wrong. They, yes, you're telling your daughters to wear hijab, but you, we don't really, like, I didn't know when I was super young, I started wearing hijab when I was 11. I just did it because my mum did it honestly that was literally my main reason my mum did it so I'm gonna do it Um, and then when I was in secondary school obviously year seven eight nine um, my friends looked great when we used to go outside and they used to dress up and I wanted to do the same so I guess though that period I did struggle with hijab purely because I honestly did not really understand it very well however from a very young age I used to want to the qab. I was like literally I'm telling you seven years old and I want to the niqab because in Pakistan one of my cousins she was becoming a hafida so she used to like in Pakistan they have like madrasas where they send children full time it's like a boarding school basically for Islamic studies and Quran etc so she used to go there she became super religious etc and she used to have an abundance of niqab and little old me at seven years old used to go around wearing them and I used to get told off because I'm like why are you wearing it I'm "I'm still gonna wear it I used to wear it go to the local shopkeeper, (laughs) thinking he's not gonna recognize me (laughs) and obviously he did he's like you don't even have to wear that I'm like yes uncle actually I do And even when I was in secondary school and I was struggling with hijab in the sense that I I, there were periods where I took it off and put it back on I always loved niqab, like I absolutely, I had, I was going through my USB of pictures that I had screenshotted like from Facebook and stuff from the past, literally they are full of niqabis guys, I'm not even joking, I was obsessed with it, because so I just thought it was beautiful, um, and that's why from a very young age I was like, when I'm older, when I'm 18, I'm gonna put it on, um, and then alhamdulillah when I was 15 years old, I became, that's when I like, I grew up practicing, but as in you know that age when you take ownership of your dean, and you really start to study and learn and do things because you're you know you're supposed to not your parents telling you to do it. The age of fifteen was for me, and after that, honestly, I don't think apart from makeup, other than that, I don't I can't say I struggle with hijab in that sense. Like I've since that after that, I've never had the feeling to not want to wear it. Like I literally love my hijab and my himar. Like I can't imagine not wearing it. Um, but obviously that's not the case for many many sisters and, you know, and I would
1: really...
0: yeah go on sister
1: I'm so sorry <laughs> with zoom and stuff you cut each other off um now I was gonna say when you mentioned Pakistan um that I, I thought like it would be good for you to mention because you know culturally like how the um how the naqab and hijab and generally impacts us culturally, and I know with mine and your cultures, especially like from Pakistan and Afghanistan, it's it's like a new world to them, I don't know, so maybe you can like continue with that inshallah.
0: Yeah, and I think that's actually a very good point, because um, in many regions that are more traditional, it's encouraged for women to wear it, but that's, I think that's more rare now, like as time's gone on, our, our countries back home have become quite way more liberal than they were years and years ago. Um, but in my country like and I think probably Afghanistan is similar but the niqab and the burqa etc are for older women or women who are married or like old grannies mm-hmm. and not young so if a young woman who's not married is wearing a niqab they found it crazy like why are you wearing it no one's going to see you and on top of that obviously if you're wearing hijab and niqab you can't, it's in front of all non-mahrams in our culture apparently cousins are not your like you you don't have to wear hijab in front and I think back home that's probably mm-hmm. one of the big difficulties that all your aunties and uncles are like no you don't have to wear hijab in front of them so if you're wearing niqab and your cousins are there like you're literally niqab basically your entire holiday because you can't take it off and they get offended by it and I think for a lot of people back home that's probably one of their struggles is that it's so uncommon for young girls who are not married or let's say below the age of 35 to wear niqab because everyone's like well don't you want to be modern don't you want to be don't you want to look nice like they find it baffling that you would purposely not want to make yourself look nice when literally the purpose of hijab is to um hide your beauty and um, what about you Lima? what do you think or oh, Kola as well I mean you're Khola, you're from um Morocco so is that similar to what Lima and I have said or
2: yeah the thing is um obviously Morocco is a Muslim country yeah but when you go back and they can mark my words like the hijab that you see is so rare everyone you'd think you were walking in London like that's how and to be honest in London there's more people that practice yes. hijab than in Morocco I was about to say that, Like hands down I
3: in London, to
2: be honest. yeah it's it's actually like crazy how little people like practice the hijab um mm. properly and just like as even like as the scarf on the head that we see more commonly both of them are, both of them are very very rare um so yes. i can't lie it has been something that i have been thinking about since i put on my jilbab and and my hijab uh, sorry my niqab uh because obviously we didn't go back, get to go back to morocco last year and i've just been thinking like when i go back to morocco with my niqab on what's the reaction going to be am i going to have to stay in my niqab on the whole time because we do have cousins we do have like non-mahrams around all the time. You know how it is. Like when you go back home, the doors yeah. always open. Like non-mahrams are always coming in and out. Like family, distant relatives, everything. So I've just been thinking, like, how am I even going to pull it off? And it's a hot country. It's not a cold country. And to be in a jilbab and a niqab, it's going to be difficult. But I'm I'm willing to try. Inshallah, and see how it goes. I just want
3: to add I to sorry, I... sorry, Ariel. I just want to add on to what Khaled, um was saying about. Um... Morocco, like, it being slightly worse than London in terms of going out and that. Um, just this is based on the city where we're from. Not, I mean, I know there are some cities yeah, in Morocco, Morocco that are yeah. still reserved. You will still see, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say proper hijab, but some sort of hijab going on better than other places. You will yeah. see the cover-up, you will see the hayaya, you will see the segregation going on. But that's, there are some cities like that, but not unfortunately, not the city where we're from yeah mm. that's true and that's
0: true. um i was gonna say obviously um yeah that's a very good point um we can see the similarities that like, even though we're from different countries ethnically um there's a lot of similarity in terms of the culture surrounding hijab and i think that's a very good point to bring up later on but um zay what about um your journey with hijab obviously zay and our sisters was it similar to um hola's or did you ex- experience something different perhaps
3: um In terms of growing up, I mean, growing up in the same household as Khawla, I didn't... Alhamdulillah, it was a given that, you know, wearing hijab, being modest and so on. Um, I went to Islamic schools majority of my childhood up until year 11. So, alhamdulillah, I was always surrounded with that Islamic side of um, things. I was always surrounded by other girls who wore the hijab as best as they could, potentially. Um, I mean, they they were influenced however i was restricted in terms of outside influences like you know we'd never had phones back then what well, proper phones um working phones shall i say so there wasn't that much of an influence um however i feel like my struggle with hijab started when i started working and being a muslim girl who wears abaya it was hard working with it so i had to think of okay what is the next, what can I do next? So my next thought was, okay, a long skirt, like the maxi flowy skirts. And I remember starting my job and the manager going, you know, the skirt is not part of our, no, she started with the abaya actually first. And she goes, you know, the abaya is not, you know, what you're wearing right now is not part of our um, health and safety and whatnot. I was working in nurseries. So she was like, oh, carrying children up and downstairs can cause yourself harm or the children harm and so on. And I was like, I said to her, I'm not planning on wearing diabetes for work. I I know the struggles of it. I can barely walk up the stairs with it, so I wouldn't be carrying a child doing it. So the skirt was the next option. And I said that to her, and she seemed okay with it. However, the next day, she was like, you know, it still doesn't fit our health and safety, whatnot. Um, And I was like to her, don't worry about it. I'm liable for whatever happens. Like, I've got practice walking up and down the stairs in this, so don't worry about it. Having done nothing happened, and i feel like there was another girl that was working with yamir at the time and i think i encouraged her to wear a skirt i think i mean i never had the conversation with her but i did notice that she switched from trousers to skirt at one point um i feel like that was my main struggle and that and that had to happen every single time i I changed workplaces like Mm -hmm. the same conversation and by the end of it i was like okay i've got this memorized by now um yeah, I feel like that's what comes to mind when I think of you know hijab struggles. Because I feel like if I had given in and you know went with the health and safety, I mean I know health and safety policy is important, but you also have to balance it out with your dean and work your dean around the policies and procedures that are put in place, rather than putting the procedures frame frame your dean. Correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm saying that right. But um,
2: yeah. I think that's, yeah. it's crazy to hear that experience because, obviously, I work with children as well, alhamdulillah. And I turned up to my interview in my niqab. Not once was it mentioned. Like, my manager, he... Well, at the time, he was, like, hiring, obviously. He didn't mention it once. He interviewed me like I was just a normal, regular candidate. Like, I've never felt, like, different from any other person working there. And he even made a point to be, like, when when I was being trained and he was like oh so uniform here basically no informal wear so don't come in your trackies and then he was like yeah but you clearly we're not going to have a problem with you you're not going to be coming in suits, are you? And I was like yeah definitely not um, but that's about how far it went so it's actually crazy to hear like it, different experiences and it just depends on your workplace I guess honestly 100% I
3: mean the definitely. first workplace I worked in was practically central London it was a posh area and it was all about images so I feel like that was another factor in like, oh, what are the parents going to say? What is the um art community going to say and so on. So again, it's images for the workplace I was working in.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely does depend on where you are. Like I also work in schools as well. I mean, you know, we're all we're all in the childcare sector here. Um but yeah, no, when I started working, I was I was I was when I first had like working experience, I was like around fifteen, sixteen and I was wearing the car. Um, and I went into my placement, you know, with it on, and alhamdulillah, um, I remember, like, the woman, she was actually a Muslim, so she never really said anything, the only thing she said to me is, or for my placement of working with kids, because I was working in a nursery at the time, um, she was like, just don't wear the jabab because, you know, when kids come to you, and you know how the jubarb is, like, there's no thing, so kids might, like, could get suffocated in that, or when you're, like, changing nappies or whatever, it's just unhygienic as well like if it gets in anything so she was just like can you come in and wearing like a and like a more than a buyer where there's like it's kind of just long rather than having that extra there and then you can put it on when you leave and I'm in a nursery it's very rare that you find guys like working like a male teacher in a nursery like so rare so in there I was never dealing with any men so I could even take my nakaba freely There was just the women and when parents came I was nowhere to be seen anyway so I was just doing placement so that was fine well only when I when I went into primary schools um was I worried about doing it but what i realized is if I just go in with my like you know some people just say take it off before the interview like what I realized is just going in how I would normally dress and just being very articulate how you would normally speak and just show them that you know you are a professional I don't know you've got qualifications you've studied you know you've gone through all of the things the government has made us do you know we've got our CVs, we've got everything. Like, even if you look at their policies when they're hiring as well, they'll say there's no discrimination either. So as long as you're you're aware of your rights and aware and confident of what you have, you just go in exactly how so I went in with my Joe Barb. I went in with my um you know carbon, and I was like, you know, um I'm here for the interview. And the guy that was interviewing me for the primary school, he was like, you know what? Um he just literally said the only thing he said to me is you can't wear the tr- is and he was like when you're in the classroom don't wear it because the kids should see your face face so when you're in the classroom like can you just remove your a car but if you're walking around like and if you're in the staff room feel free to wear it and if you're in the hallways um you can wear it um or if you just want to cover your you know your face when you're walking around but if the kids are there and they expect you just go down to them and give them a smile And um, but yeah in the staff room and place where you're going to be around and he was like i'll make sure i don't put you in a class um with a male teacher i'll find a class with a female teacher so he was really understanding but I don't think he would have been if I hadn't, you know, just been quite clear from the beginning of how I was, because mm-hmm. he would have then started asking me, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? Do you get it? Like they feel more confident to say, oh, do you mind taking off? But if I just kind of like show him or show her, you know, this is what, this is what I stand for. This is what I'm going to do. They feel more embarrassed to kind of ask you to like, um, to change t- change something They they feel more mm-hmm. like they have to accommodate you rather than you accommodate them. It's all
3: about being confident in it, isn't it? It's like, if you believe in it truly, you will move forward with it. And of mm-hmm. course, you put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's like everything else, like the clothes we wear, anything we wear, we are confident in it. So that's the same way you're strolling into the interview, confident in who you are, because that is your identity at the end of the day.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. And also one thing I want to mention is that with all of our like experiences so far, it's never been the hijab that has held us back from anything. If mm-hmm. anything, it's, people, it's been people's responses to our hijab yeah. that has held us back. In and, in and of itself, our jilbab, our niqab, our hijab, none of it has actually held us back from doing anything that we wanted to do. The only thing that I would say was ever off-putting for me was the fear of how people were going to see me, not the hijab itself, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and how you're viewed as a Muslimah. And I think Khola said um, you know, before that, people see it it's something that people just see from a like you know we're we're wearing clothes that you know resemble who we are resemble our religion so like it's like you have like you have a responsibility towards it and I feel bad like when some people we don't all know the correct sometimes the correct hijab or the correct way to wear it and we're all learning still and I mean it's always a learning curve but I think it's more important to see it as something that is really important because at the end of the day we are we are carrying you know a significant you know um, image of a Muslimer and you know a and like we have we have a responsibility a duty towards it to kind of do it right because when we're talking about influencers and you know um, in like social media and all of that like i'm someone who just never ever had social media like ever but we're all influencers, like I'm an influencer to my friend and as us six, we're influencers, we, we influence each other sometimes. And inshallah, it's always a good thing. So, you know, and our mums, you know, influence us with like wanting to maybe clerk or, you know, putting the hijab on and stuff. So they're influencers too. So we're all, no matter what, an influencer in some way. So it's always important to have, like, good character, have, you know, you know, you know, wear the hijab properly, you know, yeah. don't talk to our siblings really get it? Like, we're all influencers at the end of the day. Like, we're influencing the kids that we're teaching when we go into school every day, wearing our naqabs and hijabs, you know. We're influencing them without even, you know, realizing, because they're going to look at us and, you know, they might see, oh, she dresses like that. And, you know, they're going to ask questions, they're going to want to know. Same way as, you know, if, if if, if a kid from a different, the people are going
0: to ask questions. we are always going to be influencers. Yeah, that's a very valid point, you know, about us all being um, influencers. And I think a lot of this conversation has been, what we found is like Hola mentioned, it's a lot about people's responses to us and not the hijab itself. But obviously there are lots and lots and lots of sisters who struggle with the hijab itself. So like the common thing amongst all of us is that we want to wear hijab, but for what reason, one reason or another, work, family, culture, whatever, we were prevented from it. Um, but what about the sisters who genuinely struggle with the concept of hijab and modesty? So especially, not even just in the West, I mean, globally now, like we were discussing our cultures, um, they're much more liberal and social media, not just social media, but even TV, movies, etc. cetera and people who look up to celebrities what can what kind of advice could we perhaps give to those sisters who struggle directly with the hijab itself so they might even come from families who actually want them to wear hijab because that's very common where parents want their daughters to wear hijab but the daughter's like no I don't want to wear it or um um yeah so like what what perhaps what could we say to those sisters who struggle with the concept of hijab you know one thing I would actually say to those sisters who perhaps let's just put it plainly just don't like hijab like yes they know it's a command from Allah but they generally just like to dress up they like to put makeup on and do their hair and wear tight clothes or just generally make themselves look nice and they find it hard to not look as pretty as their friend or so they think that is honestly I think the number one thing is to find out what hijab is and why you're wearing it and i know that sounds so basic to lots of people and it does even me saying it but i can't stress this enough if you don't understand why you're doing something in the deen i mean unless you're lucky and you've got a very strong iman and you hear and you base straight away then allah that's amazing but for most of us we need to understand to take the time out to study why has this command been given how do we benefit why what is important and what is the punishment if you don't follow this command so you know what why were a woman told to wear hijab and what is the consequence of not wearing the proper hijab and leading on to that what is proper hijab because this term has come up quite often in this conversation we keep referring to it as proper hijab I was wearing proper hijab now I wasn't with proper hijab and even taking the time out to study what is proper hijab Lima mentioned it in the beginning of this episode where she said Explain what hijab is and how it must start from the top of the head to the bottom. Obviously, if you're a sister who is um struggling with it every step of the way, any improvements you make is amazing for you. And your end goal should be the correct hijab, um, insha'Allah. But what about you guys? What do you think could be potential advice you
3: could give to sisters who struggle with the hijab itself? Um I would say primarily is surround yourself with sisters who you want to look like, who you want to be with. I mean, of course, in general, I think this relates to very close to well, what I'm going to say now to um, our episode, the first episode, which is the sisterhood one. Um, but really surround yourself with sisters who you aspire to look like, who will help you on your journey because of course it is a journey but you need to start somewhere and I feel like starting with your surroundings with your influence with those around you people who share knowledge with you people who um you feel will give you more benefit in your journey is a really good start um for me personally from um this is from sisters that I've seen from my own experiences and so on
1: yeah i agree completely like you know being around you know they say that when you know you you want to be like the people you're you're hanging around well i don't know i can't remember the thing like you just like you kind of you kind of brush off each other so if you're around people who you know aren't doing right like obviously we all going to follow our design so if we're in a group of girls who are doing all these things sometimes we like drift off what we're supposed to be doing in our religion so if we know our end goal is jannah we're going to try and you know to find people that we know have that same goal and want the same thing and then inshallah if you hang around them you'll learn and you'll be inspired and you know you might not be at the perfect stage with your your hijab yet or your job or your naqab but don't ever think like you have to be at perfect at the one go like if you've got something at least you've got you know maybe a small hijab on your head And when you start hanging around sisters who you know wear more you'll kind of learn more like when i was talking about the book We've, we we can't even deny, it, even amongst us six, that like, we all went through stages of our jobab. You know, when we used to wear the ones that tie around our waist and have all like the designs yeah, on the yeah. maxi dresses with the hijab and you know, mm-hmm. um you know, d- designing it differently, you know, wearing it loosely around our necks. Like, we've all done it. Like we've we, we have to you find your style and no one said that finding a style is against the religion. You just have to conform it to What Allah has commanded, like we we can't change, we can't change that. And people that say there's a difference of opinion if it's obligatory or not, then we know that it's clearly stating that you know, as Muslim women, we must we must cover and we must we we must we must we must obey that. And you know, having um, wearing wearing the jilbab is the minimum requirement. So you know what we see on you know Instagram as the jilbab. For example, Ariel she wears um you wear like she wears like a head like a long scarf that covers up to her elbows and below like her waist so that even though it's not the traditional what people like to call jabab today it still matches that criteria so either way it's it's permissible whereas if we're wearing hijabs that go you know above our shoulders or are tight or don't even cover our chest or you know are, are highly beautiful then we know that that isn't allowed in our you know religion so I think I think like Z was saying just being around people and you know seeing that see you know being around them being encouraging not being judgmental and kind of learning rather than always you know always kind of fighting that oh I, I'm not ready but like kind of seeing and actually observing and having that goal that Jannah is your end goal Another thing that I think is really important and that I use for myself is my culture, my family, not my household, like in the Afghan culture, even if you wear naqab, like if I was to travel to Afghanistan right now, I'd have to wear the naqab. Like it'd be weird if I went there without wearing it, even you know, if you're young and unmarried, like it's just they wear it. As soon as you come here, they all want to be Western. And my family and my cult my family will always like to me, oh, why are you wearing a naqab? Like you're not even married yeah your mom can wear it but like why are you wearing it you know like culture like in your family were always like oh this is gonna happen why are you wearing and they were like really against it um but i think it's so easy to say and it like ariel said earlier it's basic as well even when you're saying it but just think about what you think like if you're confident in it or you want to do it do it and if you know that at the end of the day Allah is pleased with it like, if, if it's not against the religion or it's not against Allah Taala and his message, as long as we're confident with it, we're happy with what we're doing, and Allah subhanahu wa Taala is happy with it, then...
0: Yeah, I completely agree, um, Lima. Um, And that little issue we just had, we're obviously on Zoom, so we do have signal issues sometimes as we're still currently in a lockdown, which, inshallah, should be lifted soon, so future episodes will be recorded with us together in Um, and in relation to, I think that's an excellent point about companionship and surrounding yourselves um, with those who do good. Which obviously, as humans, that's in our nature that we thrive off others and we want to imitate others. So imitate those who are good. And I think one of the things that I used to do when I was younger, especially within the club, I used to tell myself, "I can't ever be like the Sahabiyat. Like I can't be like them." I can't ever be like the wives of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, like, but I can look like them. <laughs> I'm never gonna be like them in character, I'm never gonna be like them in personality, I'm never gonna reach their rank. But if anything, I that's the one thing I can achieve that is like them, is the hijab and wearing it properly. And that's literally my motivation. So I'm like, at least that's the one thing that I can get to um that kind of level. Um and what about you, Khallo? What advice um would
2: you wanna give sisters? Mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as you asked the question the same thing that you said like sprang to mind which is to learn exactly what the hijab is and I also was going to say that might sound so ironic that might, uh, might sound so cliche but it's such an important thing to like drill home like I was going to say it and I was going to think oh that might come off a bit like preachy or whatever but it's literally so true if you're not seeking knowledge on something there's no way you can improve on it it's like coming with the same amount of knowledge and a year later expecting to see improvement it's not going to happen you have to seek knowledge you have to learn exactly why you're doing it and inshallah you're going to see improvements and as lima said you're not going to make that improvement overnight like Mm. even if you do start off with the little pull on one piece hijabs and then slowly you're surrounding yourself with better companions and you're improving and improving and improving that's what's going to happen like i have friends alhamdulillah which who i'm so grateful for just by us being together we've all made improvements in our hijab even though we're all at different stages in our hijab we've all made improvements Mm. and I have friends who put on hijab just because of the company that we're around and she knows who she is and mashallah I'm so proud of her and she put it on just because of the company that we surrounded ourselves with and we just started discussing people that we saw online in the correct hijab as opposed to the people we saw online in the incorrect hijab And that alone, just those small conversations gave her the push. Within a couple of months' time, she was able to put on the hijab properly and fully, Mashallah. And I was so proud of her. And it just happened so quickly. So you know the improvement can happen. It's not going to happen overnight, but it can be that quick. And for her, it was that quick, Mashallah. So apart from learning about it, which she did, and I'm using her as a case study as an example, because clearly it works. She learned about it. She had friends Mm. and companions who also wore it. And she made du'a for it. And and those three things combined, I feel like, are the recipe for you to improve in any area of your life. And don't underestimate the power of du'a. My friends know that I always go on and on and on about du'a. But it's so important. It's not something you can underestimate the power of. Because we always like to do things with our hands and we think we're so powerful. But at the end of the day, we're just humans, right? But if we make du'a, that's us putting that, that matter, that thing in Allah's hands. And Allah is the most capable of doing anything, right? So we, we do tend to underestimate du'a, but make du'a, seek knowledge, keep in the company of friends that practice the correct hijab and that are going to influence you in that way. And also, we tend to also be so much closer to, our, friends and to our, sorry, our phones than even our friends. So the influence on your phone needs to be, again, in line with that company you're keeping in real life. On your social media, if you're choosing to have social media, also make sure the people you're following and the information you're feed, feeding yourself is also correct. And I think those three things combined is going to be like the recipe for you making an improvement in any area of your life, honestly, not just hijab, not just your modesty, but mashallah, like she's a big inspiration. And I think a lot of our sisters have gone through the same journey and can take the same part of her and, you know, improve their hijab so quickly, inshallah. But yeah, that's what I would want to say about that.
1: That's such a nice story, like the fact that I'm so happy for her, you know, um, I just want to say with, with what Hola said, and I think what she was really important is that when she said that every day, when you're if you try, you know, like people need to remember those struggles that we go f- f- through are our reward. Like going through those struggles, you're getting reward for that as long as you keep being persistent to reach the end goal. So, for example, you like Paula said we start off with the small hijabs and then we start you know wearing it a bit better and then we move on to the abaya and then we move on to the jabab and then eventually the naqab you know we're trying we're going through all those stages for a reason to reach what one goal and that one goal is you know jannah inshallah and perfection and like Ariel also said you know she wanted to look like if I can't at least reach that status that the wives of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has at least let me reach the status of their, you know, their modesty and their covering and their jilbab you know, at least let me do that. So if you have those genuine goals for the sake of Allah in your mind, we're getting reward for that. You know, we're getting, a lot. Allah, Allah's giving us reward, we're getting rewarded for that. So never feel put down like, oh, like I'm not wearing it properly yet, or I'm not ready to, or you know what, I've already started working, if I put it on people are going to say things. You going through that little bit of hardship, you're getting like abundance of reward, inshallah you get it and the more we keep trying and the more we keep striving for jannah you know the more reward we're getting every like milestone basically so see it as that like you're just we're just tackling like a hurdle every time inshallah
0: absolutely and i think um that's a very very important point to keep in mind that um our goal is to always always to keep trying um until the day we take our last breath in 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 every aspect Um, In relation to this, we did a quick um, question and answer on our Instagram for sisters to ask um, questions about or topics um, that they would want to discuss in this episode. And one of the things sisters mentioned were about sisters who perhaps, I guess, don't take the hijab seriously in the sense that they um, don't wear it properly or they are very double-minded about it so one day they'll wear it one day they'll take it off in some contexts they'll wear it in some contexts they won't wear it I think one common one is on social media um people sisters won't wear it but in real life they do but on social media when they post pictures on Instagram etc they take it off um and that's quite common um what are you guys' thoughts about that what could um you perhaps say to sisters who I mean they're wearing it but they're not I guess, I don't have to say it better than they're not taking it as seriously as um, they should be. Um, I mean, some people regard as people's, I mean, I know, I've heard sisters and I've seen it on social media in real life where people say those sisters who aren't wearing it properly or they're taking the mick out of it and I'm putting it in speech marks that they're not, they're basically they're disrespecting it, um, the whole concept of hijab. Like, so by wearing this type clothing or um, putting it on and off, you're disrespecting the hijab. What are you guys' thoughts
3: on that? Um I wanna say to be honest, again it comes part of their journey. They probably are on a journey to perfect their hijab. Allahu Alam which one I mean Allahu Alam where they are on their journey and how far they've come from where they were at the beginning. But it's also um the fact that maybe clarifying your intention, sitting with yourself and saying, right why do i why am i wearing this what's my purpose it goes back to what we were discussing um earlier um clarifying your intention and realizing why am i putting that picture up on Insta? why what's what are the likes going to give me what are the comments going to give me what is the reach going to give me so it's looking at the why's more of yeah it's basically looking sorry i'm just thinking as i'm talking um, yeah, it's what I haven't mastered yet. Yeah? Um, so basically, you're looking at the why am I doing this? Why are Why are you putting it on social media? Why are you taking it off on social media? Off social media? Why are you taking it off in this situation and not that situation? Why are you putting it on in this situation and not that situation? And so on. It's just ans- sitting down with yourself and answering plenty of why questions, and by the end of it, you will get, inshallah, you know, uh, answer for yourself as an individual.
0: I think that's yeah that's a very good point um especially about the intentions and finding out why and I think in some context for example let's say sisters who take off the hijab because of work because they fear they won't get a job or they actually don't want to wear the hijab but because of parental pressures they wear it in front of their family but when they're with their friends they choose to take it off purely because they're in an environment where they get to make that choice um and that's more common I guess amongst teenage girls who perhaps are afraid to tell their parents they don't want to wear it, um, and etc. cetera. Um, anyone else about what perhaps we could um, mm-hmm. advise? Or just your general thoughts on that, on that, um, mm-hmm. the whole these sisters are disrespecting
2: hijab? I think, similar to what Zay said, that it comes down to a lack of understanding of what the hijab is in its essence. And I think also a big part of that, which I see all over social media, is that people view it as a choice and they say, my body, my choice, my hijab, my choice. I understand as a human, we all make choices, right? Technically it is your choice, but Allah hasn't given you that choice. Like anything you do choose to do in your life is your choice, whether that's sinning or not sinning, right? But Allah hasn't put that down as a choice. Hijab is an obligation. It's not it's not a sunnah. It's a fard. Does that make sense? It's an obligation. You don't get to choose whether you want to wear it or not. Of course, no one's going to force you to do it, just like no one can force you to like pray or anything like that. That's a human choice you make. But Islamically, it's not a choice. Does that make sense? And a lot of people tend to view it Islamically as a choice, even though it's not. Hijab isn't a choice Islamically. It's a fard upon every Muslim to wear her hijab properly, right? Whether that's a choice you make as a a living breathing human being or not so it comes down to that i think learning understanding that and also allah tells us right that you might like something and it's bad for you or you might not like something and it's actually good for you even if you hate the hijab as um, ariel said at the start of our discussion she said some people point blank just dislike the hijab people some people dislike the the way it makes them look or feel they might not feel as pretty in quotation marks as their friends but even though you don't like something, it's important to realize this is Allah's wisdom, and it is good for you because it's a it's a far less an obligation. Um, apart from that, it's not up to me to say whether I guess they're disrespecting the hijab. It isn't the correct hijab. That's like that's not something to argue with. It's definitely not the correct hijab. But as um, Zay said, I don't know. I don't know what people's intentions are. I don't know what their journey is. But they really do need to try to sit down with themselves and think this is definitely not the correct hijab i need to start improving on that yeah that's it really
1: um well i i, what I would say on this and i agree with you know every point that's been made here alhamdulillah um, and but just to add to it is that you know firstly if we're talking about the whole like if we're going on the thing of like you know what people you know from about beauty and women's beauty then You know, we all want to look beautiful as girls, even it's written in hadith and in, and, you know, that women are generally, we're, we're, we're we're considered beautiful, you know, you know, creatures, (laughs) we're generally beautiful. That's one of the reasons why us covering is really important because, you know, it's not just to protect ourselves. But I guess some people also say that it helps, you know, men lower their gazes and etc. And there's loads of benefits to it in general. Before we go into that, so we're answering this question, you know, I feel like, yeah, we don't know people's intentions. We don't know, you know, why they do it. But at the end of the day, if you're someone who, you know, you know that you can't wear the proper hijab and you know that you're going to be someone who wants to take it on and off. And that's your you have that in your head. Then if you're going to decide to take it off, take it off. Because that's what you decided, right? Like, that's between you and Allah. That's your intention. You know, you thought, you know, I'm going to keep taking it on and off. I don't feel confident in it. There's no actual faith. There's no Iman connected to that, you know, item of clothing. Then you've decided to take it off. Then I guess you can do that. And if you can stay firm wearing it until your heart, you know, gets more attached to it again, then do that as well. But like I said, and we've all said, that's your intention. That's you as an individual. Where it becomes an issue for me, especially as well, is when you are on for example high platforms like social media and loads of young girls and youths are following you and you know really respecting you because at the end of the, like i said we're all influencers so if i've been wearing hijab all my life and my younger sister one day i just take it off my sister's gonna look at me like she's gonna ask me why did you take it off and stuff she's gonna see me as her older sister thinking oh she's my oldest if she's doing that i can do that too because younger sisters always follow their older sisters it's just a given thing like we influence them so they're going to start questioning their own hijab and they're going to question why they're doing these. You get it. We're, so we're naturally going to influence. It's like, we also know that it's a form of dawah. Us wearing hijab or having good character is a form of dawah. Like you don't have to speak to give dawah. Just by having a good character, a non-Muslim might be, might be like, oh, mashallah, like we, they probably won't say mashallah because they're, you know, not not, not Muslim yet. But <laughs> They're going to wonder, if they wonder, they'll be like, oh, you know, that girl, I I met her, she's got such amazing character. She has hair, like she, she, she has modesty. She's what I, I'm really in love. I want to learn more. I want to gain knowledge. But if we're, so if we're on social media and then we're like one, all wearing it, then we're selling hijabs as well and making it a business and everything. And we're promoting the whole hijab lifestyle. And then we're like, they, one day they take it off. Look at how many girls are going to be like, I saw this person's as a role model. And yes, it's wrong to look at these people as role models because our main role, role models should be like, you know, um her. but at the end of the day, we do look up, we always, you know, we, we end up looking up to people and people are influencers, like I just said. So if someone does this and then they take it off on such a big platform, you're not only in, like encouraging your sins and exposing your sins, you're kind of like making it hard for others as well. So I think it's just important to remember that if you are someone who's taking on and off and you're not even on like social media, it's important to mention that or we'll always kind of tell people I took it off because I had my struggles with it, but what I'm doing isn't right. Because I remember, because I'm not on social media, I remember someone sending me like a sister who had taken it off. But on social media, she had made a claim. And when she was explaining herself for why she took it off and why she doesn't want to wear it anymore, she just said that, oh, it was only a piece of cloth on my head. And for me, that that like kind of broke me. Because at the end of the day, the jilbab, the hijab, the hayat, that's not just an item of cloth. We've made it a cloth to guard ourselves. But like I said at the beginning, it could be a door, it could be a curtain. So you're just kind of making su- something so significant something so beautiful and amazing in our religion to just being an item of clothing where, whereas it's a source of iman it's something that we connect to if you see an advice for younger girls and even you know sisters in general if you see the hijab as an act of worship like you see as an act of worship an act of obedience towards your lord it becomes a part of your heart your character you feel you feel weird to not wear it it's a part of you know it's liberating when i first wore the naqab it wasn't just oh my face is covered for you not to see it was liberating it was like i'm doing this you know and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is happy with me because i'm doing it i'm doing it for the sake of him you know i don't really care what other people are thinking this part of me is me you know doing an act of obedience whereas and it's not a piece of cloth to me. It's it, 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 it's, it's part of my my heart, my, my mind. So see it as that rather than a piece of something insignificant, because anything in life, if you see it as something little, it's only going to be little. It's never going to be big. So you getting out of bed in the morning, if you think, oh, I'm just getting out of bed because, you know, I've just got life and you see it in a pessimistic way, you're never going to be motivated to continue your day or be happy about it. So if you see things with substance and importance, you're going to continue and you're going to want to strive for it. If you see it as something little, you're not really going to care. So don't see the hijab as a cloth. See it as an, you know, an act of worship and it's like your salah or it's like your fasting or, you know, something of importance and yeah, inshallah. Sorry <laughs> if I went off, I like, I end up like going on like really deep. No, on a- <laughs> Sorry.
2: no mashallah, that really is true that just by wearing it, it's a form of da'wah. You don't even need to speak. And you know what highlighted this for me is, I went to work and I teach like one one girl that I teach. Um, she happens to be Muslim as well. She also wears like a headscarf on her head. And we were just speaking, and she's like, "Oh, Miss, where are you from?" And I was like, "Oh, guess where I'm from." She's like, "Oh, I don't know." And then we were just speaking about like where we were from in the world. Um, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm from Morocco." And then she goes, "Oh, is that why you wear that?" Um, and I was like. What and she was talking about my niqab, and I was like, No, I chose to wear it. Um, actually, people from my country don't really wear it that much. And then she goes, Oh, really? I thought you were forced. And this is a Muslim girl speaking to me and thinking that I was forced to wear my niqab when I actually went through a struggle to be able to put it on. So, like, that on its own was a form of da'wah. And I actually found myself speaking to a Muslim child who you would think would understand that hijab isn't something that is forced on you, niqab isn't something that is forced on you. And I was having to explain to her, actually, it's a choice that I made because this is my form of ibadah to get closer to Allah. And this is why I chose to wear my niqab. And all this time that I'd been teaching her, she just thought that I was forced to wear my niqab, which was honestly so crazy to me. I hadn't even expected that type of conversation to take place. So actually, what Lima said is true. Even if you're not speaking about it, just by wearing it, people are having questions in their mind that are unanswered, that like you're still giving dawah that way. And... Being on a public platform, on top of that, is such a big responsibility. Like you are, you are accountable for every little person that you, um, like, basically influence to either do a positive thing or a negative thing. Anything that you share on your platform, on your page, that is going to influence someone to do something, you're accountable for that. You could be getting good deeds every time someone is inspired to do a positive thing from your platform, or on alternatively, you could be racking up lots of sins by the the type of you know things that you're putting on a public platform so it's actually all really true
0: yeah i think those are really two really good points that um hijab is a form of dawah um unintentional obviously because people see you they see your manners they see your um actions and they judge you based on that and it it allows a lot of people to want to research into islam or at least be curious as to why we're wearing it and the point about it's an act of obedience i think it's fundamental because that is the first reason why we do everything we do it's um for the sake of Allah and because we are obeying Allah it's an act of worship it is obligatory it is fun Um, and I think all the points we've mentioned so far in this episode and about our journeys and stories and just sisters who are struggling to take the time to study why you wear it why you've been you know commanded to wear it surround yourself with good practicing sisters um, who will encourage you to do good and, and I think even when it comes to things like work or school even if you're not even if you're not your hijab like, we're, like um, Lima said before we're never going to be perfect and every improvement you make is a good change you know every step you take whether it's the smallest change it still makes a difference and inshallah in the end you will get there as long as you put an effort into making that change so that was just to quickly summarize um please let us know um on instagram what your thoughts are on this episode or on our group chat um, inshallah and a quick shout out once more to our sponsors Dahlfahama. find them on instagram we to our buyers and our second sponsor Atamr Truffles. and please do all of them asap they're very delicious really really nice um inshallah check them out on Instagram too. Thank for listening and Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh.